0: Hello and welcome to Cognitive Conversations, a psychotherapy podcast. My name is Michelle and I'm a grad student studying to become a psychotherapist and wanted to create this podcast to explore psychotherapeutic concepts and encourage more conversation around mental health and therapy. Today's episode is all about transference. We're going to be exploring what it is, what it looks like in therapy, why we do it, therapeutic interventions, as well as countertransference. When I was learning about all of this in school, um, I found it incredibly fascinating and have learned so much about myself and the ways in which I act and respond toward others. And I hope you find this topic as fascinating as I do. So, transference. This is one of the most fundamental concepts in psychotherapy. It's one of the first things therapists learn in their schooling, and endlessly pops up in case studies and other areas of learning. I don't want to spend too much time on the history because I feel like there's so much valuable information I want to shove into this episode. (laughs) So I'll just start with what is transference. Transference refers to when a client reenacts early relational emotions or patterns onto someone new, often one's therapist. So when a client is unconsciously treating their therapist as if they were someone else from their past and then reacting to them as such. A therapist is a blank slate and an ever available object on which to project old patterns and relationships. The idea of the blank screen approach dates back to the birth of psychoanalytic work with Freud and other analysts and refers to the idea of the therapist holding an anonymous stance in the therapy room, allowing transference, um, occurrences where clients freely and unconsciously can project past experiences onto them to occur. Both in and out of therapy, it should be noted that the person one is transferring onto often has similarities to the original person from one's past, so someone may be more likely to transfer old patterns of their father onto an older male therapist, or a person who shares physical, psychological, or situational resemblance to the original person. It doesn't always have to be someone of the same gender, but uh, factors like gender and age tend to be factors that promote grounds for transference. We'll talk a bit about why transference occurs later in the episode, but first let's dive a bit more into what this looks like. So transference occurs unconsciously. It happens all the time, every day, but it's only really closely inspected and pulled apart in the therapy room. People rarely catch themselves doing this since it's so intimately intertwined in our daily experience. I heard an interesting way transference was referred to recently, and that is, rather than connecting with the person in front of you, we're relating to a template, which may be quite different from the flesh and blood in front of us. Let me give you an example of what transference can look like, and hopefully you'll gain a better understanding of what I mean. So, let's say Robert comes into therapy. Robert has a complex relationship with his father, where he's constantly uh, being dismissed by him and gets little to no support or congratulations from him. Robert comes into therapy with good news. He recently received acknowledgement for something great he did at work and was selected to present it in front of the entire company. His therapist responds in a way that Robert perceives as failing to meet the level of congratulations that Robert is wanting, and therefore perceives his therapist as dismissive like his father. Robert then lashes out onto his therapist, yelling and pacing around, releasing the same emotions held about his father for years and years. Perhaps Robert even over-perceived or invited the dismissal uh, from his therapist because of his relationship with his father. Regardless, what's going on is transference. Robert is reenacting an old pattern onto his therapist. So without any interpretation, it seems as though Robert is merely unhinged, and one might push back on his explosive reaction to something that was potentially a fairly normal response on his therapist's end. But a trained therapist is going to see beneath Robert's reaction and invite the potential that Robert is engaging in transference. Further, if the therapist is aware of Robert's relationship with his father, they're more likely to pick up on this transference a bit easier. Um, As you can see, what a perfect tool this is to tap into past experiences or unconscious organizations. Um, Robert likely didn't realize what was going on while it was happening and was genuinely experiencing the feelings that he was emoting and maybe wasn't aware that they really stemmed from unresolved issues from, with his father. Again, we'll talk more about therapeutic interventions uh, that could be helpful here toward the end of the episode, and I'll try to continue this example to keep things fluid. Um, you may remember from last episode, we talked about ego defenses and one was projection. This may be sounding a bit similar to projection. So I wanted to quickly make the distinction just for clarity. Projection is when we project our own feelings or thoughts onto another person as if they're experiencing it. Whereas transference is repeating someone else's attitudes or behaviors onto someone new. So there's a third person in the case of transference. There's you, the original person and the new person you're projecting the original person onto. Um, There's also different types of transference. So typically transference can be categorized into positive, negative or sexual, which we call erotic transference. Very, very often people assume transference is only negative. There are so many kinds of transference and they're not always harmful or negative in nature. Sometimes they can actually be pro-social and can encourage compassion or kindness or protection or other positive outcomes. So perhaps you're seeing a friend as you know your younger sister and providing protection and encouragement. That's a positive form of transference. If anyone has seen the show In Treatment, which I highly recommend, you're likely familiar with erotic transference, which is super fascinating. So erotic transference is when someone develops sexual feelings or fantasies toward their therapist. Um, We'll talk a bit about countertransference in a bit, um, which I just want to note. Erotic countertransference can occur as well when the therapist develops sexual feelings or fantasies toward their clients. Um, But back to erotic transference. Obviously, this raises some ethical issues and boundary issues, and it's extremely important both for the professionality of one's practice as well as for the well-being of the client that the situation is managed proactively, professionally, and compassionately. As you can imagine, it's tricky to manage something like that um, while trying to maintain a level of trust and safety in the therapy room. If a therapist chooses to use an, an intervention like transference interpretation, meaning they explain to the client that this transference is related to a past experience, likely in childhood, the client may feel rejected and experience a great deal of shame or anger, mistrust, um, and could possibly risk, you know, the termination of therapy or cause other, you know, harmful issues for the client. A client will develop or not develop erotic transference for various reasons, but to be broad, it likely has to do with experiences with love and attention in early life. So a person who was neglected by their parents may grow up to be an adult who deeply craves attention or gratification, thus onto the therapist. A client may believe a therapist has the capacity to gratify them of their desires and is merely holding back. Uh, which in some in some cases, results in anger or hatred, erotic transference in the end is transference. It doesn't come out of nowhere. It's different to simply you know physical attraction, crushes, harmless fantasies. What I'm talking about is linked to one's unconscious organization of relationship and experience, and can be actually utilized in the therapy room cautiously as a tool. The last type of transference I wanted to quickly touch on is called idealizing transference, which is when the client holds the therapist in high regard and may even want to become like them. They may wish to pursue a career in therapy themselves. Um, these are often positive transferences since as long as they're you know, controlled, they're likely going to increase trust and safety. Between client and therapist, rather than disconnect. But of course, there's going to be extreme cases um, where anger, jealousy, other primitive emotions could arise. In which case, therapeutic interventions may be helpful, uh, which again I'll be exploring at the end of this episode. So, why do we engage in transference? We do it, you know, unconsciously, and it's possible we can just do it because sort of that's all we know. So humans aren't robots. We experience something, we learn that's how it goes, and then we carry that understanding with us as we go through life. Our emotions around experience are subjective, but all learned and molded the more we experience things and people. So perhaps transference is a mere outcome of having significant positive or negative relational experiences in the past. Another theory is that transference is kind of like a pressure valve. So when we reenact negative transference, it's usually a sign that something is unresolved, sitting in one's unconscious, which again makes it valuable to tap into in therapy in order to resolve, change the outcome of, or gain awareness around one's past experience and how it influences the here and now and other relationships in life. My favorite theory on why we engage in transference is perhaps we have an unconscious goal to change the past pattern. So perhaps we're reenacting old relationships with the hope that we get a different outcome. We lash out at our therapist for being, you know, the judgmental mother and experience a a positive and supportive response that's going to soothe us and rid us of the anguish and anger that we hold. Um, and with our therapists, we feel safe and trusting of, and we know deep down that they're not going to hurt us or feed us in, in the ways that people have in the past. Again, I want to point out that these are not conscious thoughts, but unconscious goals and desires. Personally, I think there are several reasons for which we engage in transference, and they range immensely as we observe you know, negative to positive forms of transference but it is interesting to analyze and dig into. Okay, so we know that clients transfer onto therapists, but what about the therapist? The primary reason for successful therapy is the humanness of the therapist. Um, Therapists, too, after enduring years of self-analysis and continued introspection, are naturally going to react and transfer back to their clients either as a result of the client's transference or independently based on, you know, their past and network of experience. And we call this countertransference. So let's take that example with Robert. um, And let's say I'm his therapist. So he's reacting uh, to me as if I were his dismissive father. That's going to raise emotions and thoughts inside my own head. Maybe I feel offended that he thinks of me that way. Maybe I feel as though I've failed to provide, you know, a supportive therapy for Robert. Maybe I want to join him in his anger because I had similar, you know, experiences in my life. Maybe I feel as though I hold a power over him based on his volatile reaction. Whatever it is, I'm going to have some kind of reaction toward him. What's important and ought to be repeated as if to be a mantra, is that we always privilege the client. Apart from boundary violations, therapists are always to privilege the client. It's not, you know, my job to respond to Robert with my emotions and experience, but I can certainly use them as insight. So with the awareness that I'm counter transferring, I'm able to hold that and respond appropriately to Robert. I'm able to use how I feel as insight to the fact that Robert's potentially transferring onto me. I'm able to see how other people may view him in his life. What's important is that I'm able to recognize it and work with it as a tool to progress the therapy. So finally, I wanted to talk all about the therapeutic interventions that surround transference. So untreated transference may be totally fine or may result in you know regressions, stress, embarrassment, a whole whack of other issues. The primary intervention we use is called transference interpretation. This is when the therapist reveals the perceived transference to the client with the goal to strike an aha moment um, where the client understands what's going on, and you probably do this in your daily life, too. Um, when a woman yells, I'm not your mother, stop treating me like your mother to, you know, her male partner, that's a form of transference interpretation. In therapy, it's important to assess the impact um, of the transference as well as its severity um, and the, the capacity for the client to endure that kind of intervention um, or if it's just going to you know make them worse to point that out to them. Um, It's very unlikely that a therapist will use transference interpretation while the transference is happening for not to risk, you know, the therapeutic bond, um, not to disrupt the transference or further harm the client. Um, So for the most part, we use transference interpretation after um, when there's an appropriate time or when it's causing, you know, issues like resistance. So a client's holding back because they're perceiving us as judgmental or dismissive or whatever's going on. Let's take the example of Robert and his father. So if his therapist has assessed that Robert has the emotional capacity to respond well to it, and if the timing is right, meaning not hitting when the iron's hot, they may decide to reveal or uncover the transference to Robert and Robert may realize, you know what had happened and gain understanding and ownership over his emotions and reactions This presents a great opportunity to then discuss the work um, with him and his father and what that relationship is looking like, how it's impacting the here and now. The overarching goal is to help clients gain self-awareness, and one way to do that is to guide them to consciously encounter the transference when it seems safe to do so. I also believe that psychoeducation is a helpful intervention whereby a therapist explains psychological concepts to the client. So um, me, you know, explaining to Robert what transference is, adding terminology to it, explaining what's going on. um, It sort of adds a distance for him to the situation. Um, So it feels a lot less of a personal attack, um, which uncovering can feel like to the client. It also promotes trust um, in the therapist. And ultimately just relieves the client of, you know, that kind of pressure of encountering a difficult or aggressive intervention. Obviously, this kind of intervention is not going to be perfect for everyone. And as always, interventions are made to fit each client, um, which is why it's so important to assess each client individually and respond in a way that feels appropriate. Something else I want to discuss here is responding in action rather than in words. So if we take that example with Robert, let's picture the therapist had responded in a particularly supportive and compassionate way that was really, you know, acknowledging his successes and sincerely congratulating him or asking questions, showing care. Um, perhaps this shift in anticipated reaction can help Robert rewrite his experience or help him just see the transference that's just occurred. Um, This won't always be effective enough since it's possible Robert could just keep, you know, fighting back on the transference and remain stuck in the transference loop, but nonetheless, it's a good idea to respond very supportively to the client um, in order to you know, assure the therapeutic bond remains safe and encouraging regardless of what's going on. So all in all transference and counter-transference are regarded as an opportunity in therapy. They can help uncover unconscious patterns of experience and provide a great opportunity to work through unresolved past relationships and gain self understanding to ultimately help the client. And as we hear time and time again in psychotherapy, to make the unconscious conscious. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and once again feel free to provide any feedback you may have and encourage conversation and reflection. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.